We won't go into you know great technical detail uh, with regard to the thesis because it is, after all, academic. But um, you know, you, it's intended that way. But does the research have something to say to the average consumer of ads that we see on TV or the interweb? Uh, and and you know what what could I carry away from that, not really knowing a lot about the research behind it? Sure. Wow. Well, I think there are a couple of different things that that can be taken away from it. So first and foremost, <laughs> again, I'm going to go into my over, overly spiritual side probably, but, you know, we as people are all connected. So humans have this, we all have basically the same general makeup. And so the reason why advertisers and marketers can make us feel these certain ways is because we all feel the same way <laughs> about a lot of things. And so, like, for instance, I, I won't go too technical, but one of the things, one of the um, appeal types that I identified was just relatability. And, and what that meant was that, you know, I'm viewing this commercial and I can see myself in that position. Right. So I can see maybe it's a car commercial and I see myself driving my kids to school or what whatever it happens to be. And I kind of realized throughout this process, throughout this process. And what I think other people can notice is like there are really kind of just a couple of appeal types that advertisers use because in general, people are all the same. Now, we all have different backgrounds. We all come from different walks of life. And that is not to say that we are not each unique, um, but we do have this like general similarity, which I think is really beautiful. It's really, really cool. Um, and something that people will use <laughs> to their own advantage. Now, one of the things that I could probably be criticized for is by just saying like that we're all the same and marketers can use this to their advantage is is that it does kind of, I mean, it brings up some ethics, right? And some, some ethicality that needs to be discussed. But, you know, my project, it wasn't really about the ethics of, of using these appeals. It was just trying to identify them in a place that they had not been identified before. Back to your question, though, I think one of the things to take away is that we can probably identify some really similar appeals that are going to appeal to all of us, because in general, we are all the same. Um, but then also, I think it is interesting to note um, that like, sometimes corporations and organizations use these appeal types um, in ways to connect and not necessarily to sell. Um, even though selling is kind of the underlying goal for a lot of a lot of things think to really any png commercial um, they're really popular around the olympics and it's usually focusing on olympians moms and they usually end with like thanks mom and a bunch of tears in my household so <laughs> but 
you know, they're really kind of, they're selling more than, than a product. They're kind of selling their brand, but they're also selling their humanity and saying like, hey, we see you as a person and we recognize that you are more than just a number. Um, again, not trying to get into what that really means from a corporate standpoint, but for me personally, in looking at these appeals that people use and, and watching so many commercials, um, what I realized was that people who are in these advertisement positions, they are also people. And so they're creating things that are appealing to them as well. And so we're really not that different, um, which again, just goes back to my first point. But I, I did, I do think that it's something that we can take away that there are just so few appeal types because we're all very similar and it's not always bad. And I think that's something that people feel a lot of times when they're seeing commercials is that, oh, well, they're just trying to sell me something or whatever. And it's like, maybe, but we can also be appreciative of, A, commercials as an art form, um, B, commercials as storytelling, and then C, commercials as just an acknowledgement of our humanity. Yeah, and as you and I have talked, you know, some of these commercials are just milestones in our lives, you know, um, and we'll always remember where we were and, you know, what we were watching and that sort of thing. And it's, it's funny that it's not a movie, you know, it's not a piece of music, it's, you know, it's not a book, um, it's, it's literally 30 seconds and somehow it's the most amazing thing we've ever seen. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I am absolutely fascinated by the topic. That's it's funny you mentioned that, Paul, because while Rain's been talking, I've been thinking about the commercials that I saw when I was younger that are still emblazoned in my mind. I know, Paul, you'll remember this one back in the late 80s, early 90s was the milk. It does a body good um, campaign. And I remember it so vividly. There was a little boy standing in front of the mirror drinking some milk and his reflection in the mirror ages and he sees, oh, you know, he's here he is in middle school and then he's in high school, uh, I think as a quarterback, and then he gets married. And I remember watching that commercial thinking, I wonder what I'll be like. Where's that special mirror I can find? But I've got to drink my milk to get there. Um, or I remember maybe a more relevant, uh, closer example was the uh, the extra gum. Uh, I think this was 2015 when the guy wrote, uh, drew the little pictures when he was with his girlfriend. And then it was this whole thing. And it's, oh, it's so tugs at the heartstrings. So uh, Rain, I actually graduated just at the turn of the millennium with an undergrad degree in marketing. And the best thing we could do was newspaper ads, whoever reads those anymore. And, uh, <laughs> you know, things that were so, they seem so ancient at this point. And yet all along is uh, this idea of storytelling. Where do you see sort of the future of advertisement? Here we are in 2021 going forward. Man, that is a really great question. Also, I totally know exactly which commercials you're talking about. I distinctly remember a kid um, at the beach one time throwing water balloons at our beach house saying, don't worry, I've been drinking my milk. And <laughs> just like, cracks me up and that's all I think about when I think of that campaign is this like random kid who knows I mean he's probably I don't know with a family now but anyway um 
but yeah, no, that's a really great question, and I'm not actually sure that I'm the best person to ask because I have made my brand in my program that of the medium doesn't matter. <laughs> and because, I mean, exactly what you said, it's all in the same line of storytelling, right? And so one of the things that I really had to think about for my thesis especially was do we pay different attention um, to commercials that are from television or commercials that were made specifically to air in streaming or online, you know, through like Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Instagram. And, and what I decided personally is no, because it's all generally doing the same thing. So one of the things, though, that I do think we'll see more of is I, I, I genuinely think that this storytelling aspect of advertising, um, even though it has been, it's been around forever, I really, really feel like we're going to see more and more of that as we continue because people are finally understanding, again, I guess, that storytelling is what connects us and storytelling has much more of an impact than just sharing facts. And so if you can ingrain your brand or your product into a story that someone can see themselves in, I mean, that you, they have done half of the walking for you because they're just like, oh, I'm already in this story, right? So I think I think we'll see a lot more online. I think we'll see a lot more um, in terms of like really short clips on maybe some of our streaming platforms. I've already seen that a lot on TikTok, for instance. Um, I've seen it a lot on Instagram. And, but I think that those types of platforms are making themselves available, like readily available for shorter versions of commercials that we're seeing on cable television um, or on Hulu, if you still have commercials on Hulu, as I do. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask because I, I do believe that it in general is all the same and, and it's going to continue to be the same, but I think we'll see it in different mediums um, and maybe at different lengths, just kind of depending on, on what the medium actually is and who the target audience is too. Because if you're trying to reach people in Gen Z, for instance, you're probably just going to do something of like 15 seconds, right? Versus if you're, if you have a captive audience on television, you can play with that a little bit more. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I remember the old good old days when it was like, here's the length of the commercial, you know exactly how long it is and exactly how much time you can use in between whatever Friday night sitcom you're watching and you got to be back sitting down ready to see it again. But I've noticed uh, like buffer videos on YouTube before your video comes up anywhere from five seconds to some like, five minutes and they tell this super long narrative and hope that people get interested enough. When you were doing your research, did you discover anything that surprised you or did you maybe open a door to something that you'd like to look into more? That's a very, very, very good question. Um, I'll kind of start with the second part of your question first. So one of the things that I wasn't able to do 
um, that I would love to do in the future is I really wanted to sit with some of these advertisements and do something like a focus group um, or, or really go through social media data. So that's, I've done a lot with social media analytics um, over my two years in, in the program that I'm in. And that has really opened my eyes to a lot of really interesting things. And so I, I wish I could have spent more time looking at these advertisements and looking at the responses of, or to these advertisements on social media and then bolstering those findings with focus groups. Um, and so I guess that answers part of that question. But one of the things I think that really surprised me in terms of scholarship is that there wasn't anything like my study out there. And I, I have to keep telling myself that what I've done is valuable and what I've done is academic and really cool because for me, I was like, well, I just sat there and watched commercials for like a year <laughs> and, and just talked about them. But it surprised me that there wasn't anything in scholarship quite like what I had done. And so what I would love to see is someone take, even you know, if it's me or if it's someone else, take what I found and then build on that, whether that be someone in the field or someone in scholarship. I think that would be really cool. But that definitely surprised me and that there wasn't really any anything kind of like what, what I did. And honestly, that's part of the reason why I didn't do the social media analytics and why I didn't do the focus groups is because I realized that we needed that foundation first. And then we could go and dig further. So uh, let me ask you a question that you may or may not be able to answer, but at least you can give me your, your gut reaction. Um, when I think about the commercials that have really, you know, grabbed grab a hold of me, a lot of times it has to do with like the Super Bowl or some major event or something like that. And it makes me wonder if money makes a difference. You know, like like how clever something can be, how impactful something can be. And I don't mean to be jaded about the, you know, the industry or anything like that. But uh, do you see a connection like that? Oh, 100 percent. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on that. And so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, but one of the things that every time you'll ask me a question, I think of something else that I noticed and wish I could have done more on. Um, but one of the things that I noticed is, A, a lot of these commercials that make us feel something are actually Super Bowl commercials because they have those, they've set aside those resources to create something that has this narrative quality. And usually it's some sort of cinematic quality, too. And so that makes a huge difference, I think. Um, that being said, you know, I did, I looked at award-winning advertisements, and I looked at advertisements that are just popular, period. Um, so, like, commercials that you or I would just come up with and talk about, um, a lot of those are Super Bowl commercials. I think part of that, too, is just, I think it's the resources, and I think that they're more prevalent in American psyche, because we're kind of all sitting there watching the same thing. And that's a really special thing, too, because I know y'all both have kind of mentioned, 
you know, well, we can record shows now, right? And so you can fast forward it. Or if you and I watch The Big Bang Theory, as you mentioned previously, uh, <laughs> like if we both are watching the same show, we might not be watching it at the same time. And something really special about the Super Bowl is that you are. And so that's another thing. That's another way that these advertisers can reach us and, and why I'm very passionate about commercials being entertainment features and being considered as entertainment features because that is part of the show. And, and so I think some of that is the resource resources. Some of that is the psyche. Um, I will also say uh, one of the things that I noticed is a lot of these successful advertisements are created out of ad agencies. Whereas some that are less successful are created in-house. Now, this is potentially a connection that is spurious. Like, it might not be real. It might just be something. Like, this is my lay theory. And another thing that if I ever decided to go back into scholarship, this is potentially what I would look at. But, again, take Nike versus Pepsi, right? Nike was created by my favorite ad agency, Wyden and Kennedy, out of Portland. And they've actually created a lot of ads that I know that every, like, everyone listening to this would, would recognize. But they created that ad, and they have those resources to do consumer research. Um, versus Pepsi, whose ad actually was created in-house by their ad agency that they had just started. And it, I mean, it, it made a difference, right? It made a huge difference. And so I think, yeah, those are the two main, two or three, I guess, biggest things that I have noticed um, that whether those resources are spent for sure, but then also if it's created in-house versus out of house. Now, one example of, of that not being true would be Google because Google actually does create their ads in-house but they've also been doing that for like almost two decades. And so that may, I think that makes a difference too. Um, also Google is this like just mammoth of a whole different species. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you're talking about psyche and, and it uh, occurs to me that there's for the Super Bowls, there, there is kind of a collective psyche. And, and so it creates this, really national buzz for these companies, you know, that is hard to come up with any other way. And, and I thought it was just genius uh, of Doritos a few years ago to let the consumers, you know, just come up with stories and that kid in his time machine, I will never forget that one. Um, and, and, you know, We've it's just talked about that before. Absolutely. Um, and, and of course, they take the germ of the idea and then they make it, you know, something really slick and, you know, and, and, but it's still in all, um, there's just something of one of us came up with that idea, you know, and I mean, whereas, you know, as an example, Macintosh, right. You know, the 1984 thing, yeah. none of us were going to come up with it. No. <laughs> it's just, it's just way past all of us but we might have come up with the Doritos time machine exactly yeah 
But the, and that does have something to say about the brand too. Is Doritos has kind of positioned themselves as a brand of the people, and Apple has positioned themselves as a brand above the people. <laughs> and, and so I think that makes a difference, right? Of of how that might not have they might not have gotten away with that, <laughs> whereas Doritos was like, oh in a cardboard time machine absolutely that works perfectly screaming goats yes <laughs> <laughs> yep and even as we say these things right everybody listening is just going yes yeah. um, yeah. um well uh turning back to you um what are your hopes and dreams for your new profession where would you like to to head with all of this Whew. wow very good question. <laughs> um, well, one of the things that I really, I mean, kind of like what I what I said with my first real big person job was the biggest thing is I want to be in a place where I feel I'm supposed to be. And I know that that doesn't always happen at first, and, and it'll take a lot of prayer and a lot of time probably um, of just kind of sitting with some things and sitting in places and, and seeing if this is really what's right. But, but I do want to be in a place where I can create a message that will then be disseminated to a public, whether that is, you know, whether I end up someday on a Super Bowl commercial or if I, you know, I'm doing like, I don't know, Smith barbecue down the street, like, I want to be able to make a difference with what I am saying and, and, and these ideas that I have. Um, so a lot of the places that I've been looking at are specifically like public relations heavy, where I, I really feel like that connection between your message and your public is, I mean, that's the whole deal. Right. I think sometimes in more marketing heavy or advertising heavy firms um, that that relationship might not be there. But I want to be in a place where I can use what I've learned about marketing, about advertising to foster these really deep connections between a brand or a company that I work for um, and and people. And so one of the things that I've been looking for in a position and, and in a place of work is somewhere that works with other organizations. Um, so I can kind of say like, hey, this is that public and this is how we can reach them. This is the separate public and this is how we can reach them. But I also want to be that voice of reason that says, hey, should we be doing this? Um, and I think that kind of goes back to answer one of your questions, Scott, where I was, where you asked, you know, what's something that surprised you? And I think one of the things that surprised me in, in doing this research, but also in just my general, like, love of, of advertising and love of commercials was it seems like there is a huge gap sometimes of, you know, can we do this? versus should we do this? And sometimes those answers are not the same, right? Like sometimes just because you can doesn't mean that you should. 
I viewed a lot of really terrible commercials that were, I mean, I mean awful. And not just like, oh, that's cringy, but like, hey, we're going to make light of suicide and 9-11. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, who greenlit this? And bring me into that room because I think I could at least say, let's put this on pause. Um, so I think that's kind of where I want to be is, is I want to have that creative freedom, but I also want to be able to be a moderator between a company and just people. Um, so those relationships can be strengthened, but also not harmed. That is awesome. And I do not doubt in the least that that will happen for you. Um, well, thank you, Rain, uh, for spending time with us and sharing all these lovely thoughts about advertising that I'm sure some people have never even thought about. Um, so that's great. And thank you to you, listener, dear listener, uh, for tuning in for us. And uh, we hope that we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moments That Matter, a podcast that looks at the moments in our lives that come along from time to time that have consequences long after the moment, especially those moments that have to do with the choice of vocation. In his book, Let Your Life Speak, Listening for the Voice of Vocation, Parker Palmer speaks of a clearness committee in the Quaker tradition, wherein a group of older, wiser people ask questions of someone considering a life choice as a way of clarifying the next step. We may not meet with a committee about these big decisions, but we all have these critical junctures in our lives, which we can think of as clearness committee moments. We need to pay attention to these moments because they are profound and potentially life-altering. We'll relay stories from our lives and interview others about theirs, especially noting the clearness committee moments, those we choose to recognize and those that were sadly ignored, those decisions that were made with God in mind and those that were not. Our hope is that these podcasts will cause you to think of the same kind of moments in your life with new clarity.